and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dahlman. On today's episode, we are sitting down with our guest, Nate Green, Commonwealth Attorney for Williamsburg, James City County. Welcome, Nate. Thanks for having me, Renee. I've really been looking forward to this. Good. Well, we are glad you are here. So first off, tell us, what does a Commonwealth Attorney do? Well, the Commonwealth Attorney, for most people, they would recognize me better as a district attorney. Okay. But because Virginia is a Commonwealth state, our chief prosecutors are referred to as Commonwealth attorneys. Okay. But that's what I am. I'm the chief prosecutor for the city of Williamsburg and James City County, which means it's my responsibility to handle all the criminal prosecutions for any crimes that take place either in the city or the county. Okay. How long have you been doing this? I graduated from law school in 1998, I started law school in 1995, and my first summer, I, well, let me back up, I, I met Mike McGinty while I was a student. He was the Commonwealth attorney then, and I decided to follow him around and asked if I could intern in his office. And so from 1995 through 1998, I was a student intern in the office, and then I graduated in 98 went up to Fairfax, where I was an assistant Commonwealth attorney in Bob Horan's office for uh, three or four years. And then when Mike had an opening back here in Williamsburg, I jumped at the chance and came back to Williamsburg in 2001, was elected Commonwealth attorney in 2007. And so getting close to 10 years as the elected Commonwealth attorney. All right. So it is an elected position. That's correct. Every four years, I have to run for re-election. There are 120 Commonwealth attorneys throughout the state. Mm -hmm. We do kind of do some staggered terms because if you're a city Commonwealth attorney, like Howard Gwynn down in Newport News, he's actually running this year. Okay. So all the city Commonwealth attorneys are running for election now. Um, I will run in two years, even though I represent the city of Williamsburg, I, I run with the county prosecutors. Okay. So I re- I'll run again in 2019. Okay. Are there other Commonwealth attorneys that represent a city and a county? There are a few. I'd struggle to name any of them. Okay, sure, sure. But there are a couple. But for the most part, a Commonwealth attorney is representing either a county or one of the larger cities like Newport News or Hampton, uh, Virginia Beach. Okay. Now, I'm assuming you do not do this all by yourself, that you have a staff. I do nothing by myself. Uh, <laughs> I do have a staff. I have six additional attorneys that have been hired to help me prosecute the cases. In addition to that, I have five support staff individuals that help us administrate the courts and make sure that our files are in order and that we have everything we need once we hit the courtroom. Okay. And then I have four people in my victim witness office who deal directly with the victims of crime and witnesses of crime to help coordinate efforts to get them to court, to coordinate maybe services that they need after court. Obviously, being the victim of a crime can be very traumatic, Mm -hmm. and these are people that are trained to work with these individuals and provide any number of services to kind of try to minimize the impact that the system is having on them. Okay. So what is a typical day like in the Commonwealth Attorney's Office? I guess one of the things I love about the job is that it's hard to say what a typical day is. Okay. Uh, really depends on what's going on that day. I could show up, for example, on Thursday. I'll show up in the courthouse and go directly to the courtroom and spend my day 
in the courtroom prosecuting cases. And that's that'll take up my entire day. Mm-hmm. On another day, I could go into the office and spend my day at my desk going over budget numbers and going over statistics to decide what are we going to need moving forward. Mm-hmm. But in any given day, we are working with criminal cases. We are working with the police who are investigating those cases. So we're helping them as they are trying to investigate. And then we're prosecuting those cases in which they've made an arrest. So we're kind of working a criminal case from both the before and the after. So it kind of depends on what you've got scheduled for Mm -hmm. that day. And kind of every day brings something different. How do you decide what cases to prosecute and what not to prosecute? We review the case. We look at the facts. We look at what took place on the day of the offense. But we also look at what was this person's life like before this offense? What kind of life had they led? Okay. And then we look at what has this person done since the offense? Okay. Have they shown something to show that they're remorseful to take responsibility? We take all of those factors into consideration when we decide, is this a case that needs to go forward as a felony, grand larceny? Should we show some mercy and maybe make it a misdemeanor, petty larceny? Uh, what kind of disposition are we going to ask for? All of these things are, are, are really driven by the prosecutor's experience and, and looking at the entire picture. I try really hard to not have a cookie cutter mentality in our office. Each individual that gets charged with the crime is an individual. Sure. And so we try to treat them as an individual and not have an assembly line process of if you get charged with this, then this is what's going to happen to you. We do like to try and balance the consistency that the justice system should have, but also with some empathy and some compassion to show that we are looking at each case individually. Now, I believe that you do not just focus on one court. So you're not just in the circuit court. You're not just in juvenile and domestic relations court. You handle all three That's correct. Okay. You hit it right on the head. We have three courts in the James City Williamsburg Courthouse. And in particular, I will be in one of those courts at any given time. I handle dockets in all three courts. Every prosecutor in my office will handle dockets or cases in all three courts. There are some jurisdictions that have an office philosophy that, that stems more towards specialization. Okay. I do not. Okay. Uh, I'd really like to have prosecutors that are jack of all trades and can handle any type of case. And I think what makes that imp- or why that's so important is that the lessons you learn prosecuting a drug case can translate and you might learn a trick or two that will help you in handling a domestic violence case and vice versa. So being able to kind of handle anything that comes your way, I think is a really important trait for a prosecutor. So that's something I really promote and keeping my assistance moving and going to each and every court. Now, do you have interns? You said that you started as an intern. We do. We, we use interns quite heavily over the summer okay. uh, when they can come in in the morning and stay all day and really get a good sense of what we do day to day, week to week. So we usually have two or three interns over the summer. Okay. And then during the school year, We'll bring them in, but the, during the school year, they just don't get to spend as many hours. Okay. So we try to get some of those interns that maybe spent the summer with us to come back because they've already know, they know where the restrooms are. We don't right. have to teach them that again. <laughs> We're not spending time kind of teaching them the nuts and bolts. They can come in and hit the ground running and maybe try some cases for us um, oh, wow. and get a, a good amount of experience 
just seeing what a prosecutor's office is really like. All right. This is just a question that I've always had. What is a grand jury? You'll hear it a lot of times, and it has a lot of different definitions. Okay. For us, the grand jury sits every two months, and they are a group of citizens that are brought in, and they review the cases that we're sending to the circuit court as felonies. And it's their job to act as a buffer between the arrest process and the trial process. Their job is to hear the evidence that we have and to determine not if the person is guilty or not, but just does the government have enough evidence to hold this case over for trial? Okay. And so, again, it's that buffer, and we don't we want our citizens to have at least some say in what cases get brought to trial at that highest level, and we want to make sure that we are only bringing cases in which there is some evidence. Because even if a person is found not guilty of a crime, the process of a trial is very arduous, sure. and it takes up resources from the government. But it's also very, it's very impactful on an individual who's being tried, even if they were found not guilty, right. they have still had to go through quite a bit. We want to make sure that that's not being done willy-nilly. We want to make sure that the citizens are saying, yes, you do have enough evidence to, to force that to happen. Does every case that's going to go to circuit court go through a grand jury? Yes. Okay. The only types of cases that don't go through that process are the cases that were misdemeanors from the beginning and were tried in the lower courts and were convicted, okay. they have an automatic right to appeal. They can appeal their case straight to the circuit court. Okay. And those cases, those misdemeanor appeals, wouldn't go through the grand jury process, but all other cases would. Okay. So even those misdemeanor cases, there is a filter. They, they've gone through the filter of a general district court judge or a juvenile judge hearing the evidence and saying, yes, not only is there enough to carry this on for trial, but there was enough to actually convict you of this misdemeanor. Okay. And then if you want, you can appeal it and have another trial in circuit court with uh, all new evidence and, and just kind of starting from scratch again. Okay. Let's go back to the victim witness program. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. That's a program that I've had the opportunity to watch grow in my experience in this office. When I was an intern, there was a single victim witness coordinator, and that was it. And she was responsible for handling all cases with all victims. And so she had a lot on her plate. She was very good at her job, though. Very, very good at her job. And she also was good at at the administration of this program and ended up bringing on first an intern and then a volunteer and then grew the program into a number of of individuals in the office. And now we're at four. So in 20 years, we've gone from one to four. And they play a really important role. To put it succinctly, sometimes lawyers aren't the best at dealing with people directly. Okay. Um, As I'm working a case, I might get really wrapped up in the constitutional aspect of whether the search was done correctly. Or I might get wrapped up in how am I going to prove this element of the crime. And sometimes you forget that there's a human being that was a victim of this crime and as the lawyers get wrapped up in proving the case, it's a victim witness job to make sure that we're remembering, hey, there's a human being over here yeah, okay. that you need to meet with and talk to and explain things to. And then when I may be not explaining them like a human being would hear them, but rather as a lawyer would say them, they kind of do some translation for me okay. and spend some time 
explaining to the victims and the witnesses, this is what's happening, this is why it's happening, and this is what you can expect. Okay. But for the most part, they, they kind of put the human face on our office. The attorneys may be the brains, but the victim witness is the face and the heart and the soul. Do all Commonwealth attorneys' offices have a victim witness program now? In part, yes. Okay. Some of them are not as integral as ours. Okay. And not every victim witness program is centered in the Commonwealth Attorney's Office. When I was in Fairfax, the victim witness program was actually centered and ran out of the police department. So we still used them and we interacted with them, but not nearly as much as we do in our office. Okay. My involvement with victim witness, every case in which we have someone else other than a police officer coming in, they're making phone calls and, and introducing the case, introducing the system to this person. So by the time I'm talking with them, they already have a little bit of a context and it just makes my job so much easier because they're doing all of that legwork sure. ahead of time. Sure. What is the difference? I know we've talked about it when we had Adam Kinsman on before, but tell us again, what is the difference between a Commonwealth attorney and a county attorney? The most basic difference is Adam handles the civil end of the county. I handle the criminal end. Okay. I do have some very limited civil responsibilities. For example, asset forfeiture is a civil responsibility that I'm responsible by code to handle. Can you translate? What is asset forfeiture? Certainly. Asset <laughs> forfeiture is when, say, a drug dealer is caught and we find $5,000 okay. uh, and we do uh, interviews or we, we do some investigation and realize that that $5,000 was the proceeds of illegal activity. Gotcha. Okay. And if it is the proceeds of illegal activity, then the Commonwealth has a right to seize that money and send it back to the Commonwealth. That's asset forfeiture. Okay. And that's actually a civil suit that the Commonwealth serves against that individual. It's not a criminal case, but a civil case. But that's really about the only civil proceeding that I'm involved in. Everything else that I'm involved in is a criminal prosecution. And per the rules and the statutes, I'm not allowed to act as an attorney in any other capacity. Okay. My sole job is to prosecute crimes. Okay. Is that the same with the rest of your staff as well? That's correct. Okay. There are some exceptions throughout Virginia, but those exceptions are shrinking quickly. A number of years ago, Boy, I couldn't even tell you how many years ago, Bill Persson was the Commonwealth Attorney mm -hmm. in Williamsburg and James City County, and he only did that as a part-time job. The other part of his day, he was a civil attorney, and the law allowed for Commonwealth Attorneys to do both if, the Commonwealth, if their prosecution practice was only part-time. We have now gone to, I believe there's only two part-time Commonwealth Attorneys in Virginia, almost everywhere. Now there's at least a full-time prosecutor, which means they can do nothing other than, than prosecute cases. Okay. We had Chief Brad Reinheimer as a guest on the podcast, and he told us that he never watches cops. So I have to ask you, do you watch old Law & Order reruns? All the time. Do All you? All the time. Absolutely. <laughs> I watch Law & Order reruns. I watch Bad Law. I watched uh, Boston Legal. Okay. Uh, boy, as, a, as a little kid, I grew up on L.A. Law. Oh, that's awesome. I, I love the law shows. They, at times, get frustrating because sure. they're incredibly inaccurate. <laughs> but they're always entertaining to me. And, and they do kind of, they give you some ideas of maybe not arguing the law, but on this is what 
reaches people. This is what people find interesting. Okay. And when I have a jury trial, those aren't 12 robots sitting in those chairs. You have to reach them and you have to kind of meet them where they are. And sometimes knowing what they're going to expect from watching these shows kind of gives you an idea of how you are going to meet them where they are as opposed to expecting them to just follow you as you go through a legal analysis. You do have to humanize it, and those shows sometimes help you do that. Okay, I can't go off of Law and Order without asking for your dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> I had the dun dun as my uh, nice. As I had that as my text on my phone uh, for a number of years. I've, I've moved on to different things. I think I've now spent enough time in the courtroom. I kind of go more fantasy. I think all of my sounds are now Star Wars related. Okay. So I think I have the lightsaber. But yeah, I had the Law and Order dun dun for. <laughs> text messages for a number of years. <laughs> great. You are a great guest. Because yeah. I was like, okay, he's going to say no, I don't. But you do. That's do. awesome. That's awesome. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about before we move on? Well, I guess I, I, I would like to say that just how proud I am of our office. Obviously, I, I've in a way grown up with it. You mm-hmm. know, Starting as a, a baby intern and then coming in as a, a young assistant working for Mike. And, and then when Mike left, now it's my office, and, and we're getting to the point where I've started to, I think I've now hired the majority of the people in it. You know, mm-hmm. For a while, I just inherited it, and I, I am incredibly proud of the work that they do. I'm incredibly proud of the fact that, that they do recognize that we are a service to this community, mm-hmm. um, and, and this is, it, it is important that we remember that, and that we remember that while as a prosecutor, I may have 35 cases on my docket on Thursday, but for that person who had their car broken into, that's the one time that they've ever had that happen to them and to try and remember to treat them like they're the only case on your docket. That's sometimes hard to do, Mm -hmm. but I'm proud that our office strives to try and do that whenever we can. And so I couldn't be happier with the people that I work with. I couldn't be happier with the, the, the job that we do. I hope that the community appreciates us, but also if there are any questions or if they feel that we're not doing a good job, I invite them to call us and talk to us because perceptions can get rough. Yes. And sometimes the media doesn't necessarily cover what we do accurately. Okay. For one thing, they like to cover what they want to cover and not necessarily the breadth of what we do. And then when they're covering, it may not always be accurate either. But that's the public's perception of what we do, and Mm -hmm. I do appreciate that. So I encourage anybody to call, comment, let us know how you think we're doing, because as proud as I am of our office, I want the community to be proud of us too, and that can only happen with some interaction between us. Okay, what telephone number should they call? 757-564-2277. My direct line is 564-2278. And I try to answer all calls. All right. Well, very good. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to, at the end of the podcast, ask you a few questions that are a little bit more personal. Deals with nothing that we've talked about so far, but they're not too personal. It's a way of letting our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Fire away. All right. Well, first of all, I talked to Brian Hill before I came in. And Brian told me that you play some basketball I play basketball. Oh. He's there. Oh. He's there. <laughs> well, 
Well, he wanted me to ask you who was better, but I think you just kind of answered it. That was a, that was a joke, though. <laughs> Brian and I have been playing a while, and uh, I think he's younger than I am still, so he's got a better shot than I do. And at our age, shooting is important because neither one of us is driving to the hole a whole lot. <laughs> So, no, I think Brian's got me right now. All right. Well, we will see. I will have Brian on in a couple weeks. He comes on once a month, and I'm sure we will talk about this. (laughs) All right. Do you have any children? I do. I have an 11-year-old who uh, just graduated from James River Elementary and is Uh now attending Berkeley Middle School. Very good. That is hard to believe. I remember when he was born. Yeah. He was, uh, it was kind of a a big deal for us. Uh, It was a big deal in the office. We hadn't had a child born in the office for a number of years and we had a little rough go. Uh, Ben was born really premature Mm -hmm. and so he was in the hospital for a while. But he's doing great. No medical issues uh, since we left the hospital. So we're incredibly blessed. You have a wife. Yes. The victim witness coordinator that I spoke so highly of before (laughs) saying what a wonderful job she did in establishing her office. Mm -hmm. When I came back, we had a little inner office romance. Oh, boy. And uh, and it led to us getting married in 2003. All right. Ben was born in 2005. Do you have any pets? We do. We have an Australian Shepherd named Ivy, uh-huh. and we have a yellow lab named Wrigley, and okay. those are both linked names. I'm a huge Cub fan. Wrigley was there first. When Ivy was all over Wrigley, I decided to go with Ivy on the Wrigley field. Oh, very so, nice. Yeah. You're lucky I didn't know that, because yeah. I tend to ask trivia questions about oh, teams. Oh, really? So okay. I, I, would... I think I do all right. I'm, I, my cub fandom is pretty deep. So. All right. Well, we may have you back. Okay. And I may have, we'll have to see about that. What TV show are you into right now? We've talked about Law and Order and all of that. But. I, I am part of this whole streaming generation, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, I don't get a chance to sit down in front of the TV and watch live TV that much. So I do a lot of streaming. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten into the binge watching. And right now I'm getting close to finishing up binging the show Scrubs. I really like it. Before that, I think it was uh, Parks and Rec. Okay. Uh, with the days that I have, it's nice to come home and have something that's a little bit more comedic. Yes. Uh, not so dramatic, not so heavy. And I, I just, those shows, I think, are great. And, and I think they also speak to the kind of the the communal nature of working with people sure. and watching these different relationships. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm just getting through these episodes of Scrubs where the cranky old doctor has now become the, the chief of medicine. Okay. And it, it's really spoken to me as I became Commonwealth attorney. You do have to kind of give up some of the things that you love. I mean, I love being in the courtroom. Right. And uh, nowadays, I can't be in the courtroom as much as I'd like because mm-hmm. sometimes I have to sit at my desk and figure out the budget. Yeah. So those that kind of transition uh, really spoke to me. But All right. I love those shows. Well, very good. What is your favorite ride at Bush Gardens? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I do like Bush Gardens. Mm-hmm. My son and I go often, I think... First, I think right now it's more of a sentimental thing. The first thing I was really able to get him on were the swings. Oh, nice. And yeah. so I think pretty much every time we go now, we, we do the swings just almost because that's what we've always done. Oh, that's nice. So that's the one that jumps up to me. All right. Very good. Pretend that you are hosting out-of-town company at your house for a week. Okay. What are the one, maybe two, or three experiences in James City County that you would like for them to have before they head back home? Well, the one that jumps straight to me is a walk down CW 
uh, with the fife and drum. I know oh. that's Williamsburg, but for me, that's that's really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son is now starting. Uh, he's a drummer in the fife and drum corps. Oh, how exciting! So we really like that. Yeah, um, I think. For me, the, the trails that have been established now and the bike trails that, that stretch the county and, and mm-hmm. up to Charles City are fantastic. We, uh, we do a little bit of biking. Uh, I think even just walking those are wonderful. Yeah. Um, let's see. The Jamestown Beach, I think, is, is that's something, depending on when they're here, uh-huh. that's something that's very important. We hit Bush Gardens Christmas Town every year. Yes. Uh, that's a big deal. Bush Gardens Hollow Screen. My wife and I love it. Uh-huh. And Ben Ben's growing to it, but not quite as fond of it yet sure. as, as we are. I get that. But those are all kind of the things that I would think yeah. of off the top of my head. All right. Well, very good. Well, Nate, thank you so much thank you. for coming in. I hope you had a good time. This has been very fun. It wasn't fun. painful at all, not was at all. it? Not at all. Not at all. All right. Well, we will probably have you back in the future, not just for Cubs trivia, but I other questions. I look forward to it. And maybe... Brian and I will do a little team thing, and we'll do some basketball analysis. Oh, something. Oh. Yeah, we'll, we'd be happy to, to let you know exactly yeah, what we think. this winter. That's right. Oh, good, yeah. good. A little right. NCAA pick them. <laughs> Very good. All right. Thank you, Renee. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. Thank you for listening. Want to make sure that you don't miss an episode? Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk with you next week.